Good morning, y'all. I, uh, uh, as Dustin said, I'm, I'm really grateful just to be here, just to be able to speak, be able to teach to you guys. I know I've had the opportunity to probably meet most of the people in the room. I know there's probably a handful that I haven't had a chance to meet. And so uh, if I haven't, I just wanted to basically give some introduction here. My name is, uh, my name is Jamie Fullington, like Dustin said. My uh, partner in crime and my, my better half and my bride is uh, Autumn. And I know she hates the spotlight, but she's back uh, she's back there. We have uh, two awesome kids, uh, AJ and Mary Ellen. I'm sure they're tearing the place down next door. So when you have kids, I'm sure you'll remember them. Um, and before we get in, before we get into scripture and get into the word today, and I, I just want to take just just a little bit of time and really just kind of explain how I became a part of Connection Church, how I came on board um, with 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 what we have going on here. Because one of the really cool things that I, I personally have been able to see is Connection Church Athens grow from really nothing more than just a, a, a pipe dream idea. Um, and it's been so cool to just see how that's taken place over time. Um, Dustin and I, were we were roommates at Georgia Southern. Um, and, and I know the college kids in the room can speak to the fact that just because you're roommates with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you like them. But... Uh, Dustin and I were roommates, but we also worked together. We coached together. We, we, we really came to, to have a pretty close relationship in college, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for him, and I'm not going to spend too much time on Dustin. But that's kind of where this all came from. So we worked together. We coached together. Uh, and then when Autumn and I graduated, uh, and this was back in 2014, which doesn't seem like it's been that long. When we graduated, we came back up to the Athens area, which is home for us and it's home for Dustin. So a lot, of, a lot of the vision for Connection Church Athens came for just our heart for here, our heart for home. And so um, a, a few years kind of went by. Dustin and I stayed in contact over the years. Uh, and so I guess it's been, I don't know, almost three years ago now, Dustin kind of pitched me this idea um, of, of coming to Athens and, and planting a new church. And at that time, I was just you know, it seemed so far away, and I was just like, yeah, man, that's cool, whatever, let, let me know type thing, but it wasn't really, wasn't really on my radar, and so um, also at the time, Autumn and I were, we were, we were kind of back here, but we were about 30 minutes up 316, we were living my job, I was having to travel uh, across the northern part of the state, and so we moved out a little ways, uh, and it just didn't seem to be really realistic at that point, and so as, as time, time went by, long, long story short, I'll kind of uh, I'll move forward a little bit, but long story short, over the over several months, Dustin and I had a lot of really good conversations about you know why they were coming to plant a church, their heart for the church, their vision for the church, all of these kind of things that I really really just bought into. Um, to be honest with you, uh, the thing really the, the couple of things that just really get me fired up about about what we're doing here and what's been so encouraging for me to see play out in, in kind of the short life that we that we've had so far. Uh, the first thing is just our commitment to God's word, uh, the commitment that God's word is going to be central in whatever we do. That's one of the things, really the thing that we will guard most tightly here at Connection Church Athens. And then the second thing is just the simplicity of the, of the model. Um, I know a lot when Dustin and I were kind of trying to get people on board and, and, and pitch the vision to people, that some people were kind of confused and saying, well, what's, you know, is, is that it? Is that the only vision? I mean, we, we try to keep things super simple, and that's, and that's by design. And that was one of the things that was just really encouraging for me to just have a really streamlined vision where we, do, we try to do a few things, we try to do them well, um, and we keep God's word uh, central. And so that's kind of a long story. And also there, there was a personal aspect to it. Also, I was kind of at this time to where, um, 
personally, I was, I was feeling like I was going through the motions a little bit. Um, it, you know, in my life, I, I, from the outside looking in, I had kind of what, what the world would tell you is, would, would make you satisfied and would make you comfortable. I had a good job. I had been promoted a couple of times since college, had a good family, good couple, you know, good kids, everything that, that the world would say that should make me happy. And I was really just wrestling with the fact that I had built this comfortable life. And like Dustin said, uh, Dustin said last week, when you come face to face with the gospel and you realize that it's your sin that, that held Christ on the cross, you can't help but have this response and want this response. And I just wanted to do more and I wanted to leverage my life more. And so there was a lot of unknown. Um, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty involved with, you know, with, with starting a new church. And, and so I'm just really I'm, I'm fired up and I'm encouraged that uh, obviously we have a long way to go, but that God has brought us this far as a church. And I've just been grateful uh, and I've been and I've been just really humbled um, to be to be a part of what we have going on here. And I'm thankful for each and every one of y'all here. And then the last thing I'll say is this, um, because I think it really applies and it leads us into the passage that we're going to be in today. Um, I just we just we really want God's word to be central. And just because, the, you know, I was having this, you know, kind of this personal struggle that really lined up with God's vision. And I, and I felt God calling um, me, there was, there was just, there was a simple black and white faithfulness aspect of staying true to God's word. It wasn't just this emotional thing. It was a, it was a, it was just a response to the gospel that really led us to, to be excited and to come on board and be a part of what, what we have going here. Um, and <clears throat> so, uh, before we do that, let's, let's go ahead and open to Acts. I probably don't even have to tell you where we're at. Um, because we've been, we've been kind of in the same passage for what seems like a while, but if everybody will grab your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in the very last section, uh, 42 through 47 today. Uh, I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer, and, and then we will get into, we will get into the Scriptures. Um, so let me pray. God, um, God, we love you. Um, we're just so just in awe um, at who you are, God, at, at what you've done for us. Um, God, we're in awe of the gospel. We're in awe of the cross. Uh, and what that, what that means for our life, God. And I just pray um, today for the people in here, God, that we would take whatever next steps that we need to take, God, that you would, you would work in our hearts and move in our hearts in a way um, that we, God, would just be faithful to you and faithful to what you call us to, first as individuals, God, and then collectively as believers, um, like we'll see in just a minute. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it guides us. Um, I thank you that it's black and white. And I thank you that we can trust in it, Lord, uh, just as we can trust in you. Um, God, we just we lift this up in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So just just to give a little bit of a background, I know it seems like we've been in chapter two forever. Right. And, and there's certainly there's certainly some value in uh, what I would call like covering ground in Scripture. There's certainly value in, in consuming Scripture uh, in a fast paced kind of way. But really from from a preaching standpoint, really what we want to do is we want to dive pretty deep. We want to go deep. That's why we preach, we preach through books of the Bible. We preach verse by verse. And, uh, and so we just feel like we really want to do our best to give the, the passages that we preach from the pulpit, we want to give those passages as much justice as we can. And so the way that we do that is going verse by verse. And so we've been in chapter 2 for a while, and so we're going to look at just the last, just the last few verses today because when you... It's, it's really easy sometimes to kind of pull random passages from Scripture and you line, you try to line kind of God's opinion up with what you're thinking and feeling, but we feel like there's a lot more value in preaching through God's Word as He has laid it out and then 
aligning our opinions with God's opinion, kind of flipping that idea upside down as opposed to doing it the other way. And so let me recap before we, before we read in 42, let me recap just kind of where we've been a little bit um, in, in chapter 2 in Acts. And so the Holy Spirit has come. You remember a few weeks ago, Liam preached on, on Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit came. And it kind of created this, this, this spectacle a little bit. There was kind of mass confusion. Everybody was trying to figure out what was going on. So Peter stands up. He addresses the crowd. Uh, and he really just explains what has happened. He explained that the Holy Spirit coming uh, was, was the fulfilling of the Old Testament prophecies. And so this was, this was primarily a Jewish, Jewish audience. So they would have been kind of familiar um, with the Old Testament and with what was going on. And so he explained... Um, that the Holy Spirit coming was the, was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. He explains who Jesus was. Um, he explains what his miracles meant. Not only, he, not only did he explain that he was our Savior, um, he forgave us of our sins, but he also should be our Lord. And we talked about kind of the, the distinction between Christ being just our Savior and just our Lord. And oh yeah, to kind of take the air out of the room, he says, oh yeah, and you guys, you guys killed him. The promised Messiah that thousands, you know, hundreds of years of, of, of people had been waiting for you guys killed him. And so, so talk about uh, taking the air out of the room a little bit, right? Um, Peter's up here standing, and he kind of delivers this blow that you guys killed the Messiah that we've been waiting for. But the good news for them that day um, that, that Peter was preaching is the same good news that, that, is, that is here for us today. It's that God is bigger than us. Uh, he knew what was going to happen. He was never surprised. He was never caught off guard. Um, and, and he planned it that way. And had Jesus not died... Had the, had, had the people that at that time not killed Christ, there would be no way for us to reconcile our individual souls uh, to God, and there would be no way to reconcile what we know is just a broken and a hopeless world um, without Christ. So again, the announcement, the announcement here from Peter, both for the people in the crowd and for us as well, is that it forces us into a response. The news that Peter brought, the fact that we killed Christ but the fact that his death is what was necessary for us to reconcile, it forces us into a, a response. And Dustin talked a lot about this last week. The fact that my sin and the fact that all of our sin in here is what held Christ on the cross, um, but God instead chose to pour his judgment out on Christ instead of on us should lead us to the same response that we saw um, in verse 37. That message should cut us to the heart and we should be willing to do whatever God asks of us um, because of what he did for us on the cross. The incredible grace, the incredible mercy that he showed us that day. We should be able, we should ask the same question. The people that we read about last week, they said, what should we do? That should be our same response when we hear this news. So Peter answers them. When they ask, what do we do? Peter gives them a pretty simple, pretty black and white response. He says, repent. And he says, be baptized. So basically, you need to turn from your sin. You need to fight your sin. Um, you need to turn away from it. That's kind of what we talked about repent means. And then you need to make a public statement about, about who God is in your life, what he means for you, and that you're willing to surrender your whole life to him because of the gospel. And so we finished with the statistic last week that when, when Peter brought this news for the first time, 3,000 people were added to them that day. So 3,000 people came into, faith, uh, came into faith in Christ because of the news uh, that Peter gave through him that day. So now we come to the end of chapter 2 where we're going to spend... The rest of the time today, we're going to close chapter two. And so what, you know, Luke, we talked about at the very beginning several weeks ago now, where you remember Luke is the author of Acts. This is kind of volume two to the gospel of Luke. And so Luke is the author. And what he does for the, for the majority of chapter two that we've gone to in this point is he's pretty, he's pretty zeroed in. He's pretty dialed in on, on individual believers. And so for today, this passage, 
Luke really kind of zooms out and he looks at believers collectively and he looks at believers as a whole. Um, and so now at, at this time, they weren't called the church, but look, us now looking back, that's what we call the church, the first organization of believers. Um, we, we label that and we call that the church. So start looking in verse 42. Verse 42, it says they, and I promise y'all, we're going to go more than one word at a time. <laughs> we're not going to go that slow, I promise. But I, I think there's something that, there's an important thing I have to, we have to clarify and we have to deal with just in that first word before we can really uh, go, any, go any further. So I just want to take this opportunity to clearly define who they is here because it's, you know, that's not a, they is not a word where you have to look up in a dictionary or in a concordance what it means, but for this passage specifically, it's really important to distinguish who the they is uh, that, that Luke is talking about. <clears throat> so let me say, and let me say this, I'm not, this is not designed to be uh, legalistic. This is not designed to be harsh uh, or, or exclusionary um, in any way. But one of the things that, that I think we see so much in our culture is we, we take the standard of what Christ says in the Bible and we lower it. Um, and and as, a, as a church, we just, we can't, we can't stand for that. And so one of the most important things about being a part of a church is you have to be a, a, a baptized believer. And so that's why we hammered that, we kind of hammered that point so hard last week. To be a part of God's church, you have to have given your life to Christ. You have to be a believer. So when Luke is talking about they here, he's not talking about just the people that were all gathered in the crowd, the people that saw the spectacle and were wondering what was going on and who were there by association. He's talking about those 3,000 people that heard the news, that were cut to the heart, that had, had chosen and believed in who Christ was and chosen to surrender their life um, for Christ. And so I think this is kind of one of those times where in our current context, I think it may be helpful to define what the church is not or, what, or who they were not um, just as much as it is who describing who they is. The church is not where we show up some or where we just show up some uh, or even most Sundays. Um, the church is not where my name or where my family's name or where my grandmother's name is on some roll somewhere. The church is not where I write my check for charitable giving for the year. The church is not where I serve one day a week and, give, and live the rest, of the rest of the week, the rest of my days for myself. Y'all see, you know, y'all see where, I'm, where, I'm trying to, where I'm trying to go here with this. The reason we push next steps every week here, um, we want to see people surrender their lives to Christ. Um, and we want to see people get baptized. This is why we want to see people in community. We want to see people in connect groups. Um, our purpose, as Dustin said a minute ago, we want to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. Um, and we truly want people to be a part of God's church. We, just, we don't want people to just play church and think they're good. Um, not because This is not because we want to just take all the fun out of your life. We don't want to be the fun police. This is not because we want your money. This is not because we want just your time. This is not because we want to fill an auditorium with people just to say we could fill an auditorium with people, right? That's not why we're here. This is really not because we want anything from you. Um, it's because we have experienced the freedom that comes from surrendering your life in Christ. And we just want nothing more uh, than to lock arms with you uh, and, and support you and equip you and allow God to work through you and allow God to work through all of us collectively to see the gospel move forward and to see the gospel push forward in Athens and to the ends of the earth, just like we saw uh, in, 1 uh, in Acts 1.8. And so being, being plugged in and being a part of a church, y'all, is so much, uh, it's so much more than just showing up. It's so much more than just signing a sheet. And it's so much more uh, than just spending time somewhere. It's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be more than that. And that is something that we truly want for you, not from you. 
Um, but you have, to, you have to be all in with Christ to experience the best that he has for you. Now, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a, a, a group of people in here that may not fully understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you're kind of getting there. Maybe you're halfway in, halfway out. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like for you, and that's where we just have to be honest with yourself. Um, but my challenge to you is if you're on the fence, don't be discouraged. Don't keep coming. Keep asking questions. Keep showing up. Um, and I would say just try, just try to let God show his faithfulness to you by taking acts of obedience, by taking next steps into him. Um, but we would, we would really, as a church, we would be doing a disservice to you if we don't clearly define who they is here. We don't clearly define who the church is and who the church is not. So now I, I'll get off my soapbox and I'll keep reading, but I just I feel like we really needed to kind of clear that up uh, and make that distinction before we got too far into the, into the text and into the passage. So let's go through Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42. So they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And y'all, this all, this was not, this isn't a fireworks show like Dustin talked about a few weeks ago, right? This is not a, a short-term, instantaneous awe. This is a long-term, sustaining um, life-changing awe that, that fundamentally changed their worldview. This was not just a one-time emotional deal. This, this awe and wonder at the apostles was something that completely changed everything for these people. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, they sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So they, they, look, they did life together, y'all. This was, not a, this was not a once a week, show up once a week, and then go on about your business. Every aspect of their lives were, were joined together and, and, and tied together. And then finally, we finished verse 47, with the Lord added to their number daily who was being saved. So this, was, this, this movement changed things for people. People were attracted to what was going on. And so that's what caused, that's what caused this group to grow. So really... What, what, I've got, what I've got today is, is four major points. If you're taking notes, we've basically got four points. If you're OCD like me and want to know more than that, the first point is going to have four kind of sub points, so maybe leave a little bit more room for that. Um, but there's four points that we're going to go through, um, I think, that we see, that we see in Scripture. Uh, the first thing, in, in starting in verse 42, the first thing is that they, so they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were committed to, to the teachings that the apostles were giving him. At this point, y'all, this, there was no, they didn't have a New Testament to, to look back on where, you know, where Paul writes letters to churches and Paul tells churches, this is how you operate, this is what you do. Like they didn't, they didn't have that. All they had were the apostles that had, um, the apostles that had, had walked with Christ and, and learned from Christ, that Christ poured into them and taught them. And so all they had was kind of these guys' account. Um, of who Christ was. They were able to, they, they walked with Jesus. They listened to him. They were the firsthand witnesses that saw Christ uh, live. They heard Christ teach. Then they saw Christ die, right? And these were the group of people that when Christ raised from the dead, they saw him with, they saw him with their own eyes. So this really validates what the apostles had to say at this point. Um, and this is why for us, this is why the apostles' words, this is why it carries so much weight. This is why not only is it not only is it cool from like a literary sense, I know that's one of the things that, you know, culture will look at the Bible and like, oh, it's a literary masterpiece, but we've got to go deeper than that. Like it's got to be about true and false. It's got to be black and white. It's got to be right and wrong. And so the apostles, the fact that they saw Christ with their own eyes and touched him, 
uh, validates what they had to say. Um, if you remember, and, and this is not, I think sometimes when we, when, we, when we talk about this, we talk about, oh, well, they saw him, so it would have been easy. Well, this still was a crazy thing, right? If somebody raises from the dead and walks in here, like we're still going to have some questions, even though we saw it. But if you remember, even some of the apostles, if you remember the story of Thomas, uh, the disciple from John chapter 20, he basically said, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not believing in that. I, until I see with my own eyes that Christ rose from the dead, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting on board with that. But then Christ showed up to him, right? And he said, okay, Thomas, you said you wanted to touch my hands. Here's my hands. Here's my side. And how did Thomas respond? Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And he realized in that exact moment when, he, when it was validated for Thomas, he knew exactly who Christ was. He knew he was validating everything that Christ had said up until that point. Um, and he just, he realized who it was and what it meant, um, for everybody. And so this, and we see that we see a similar response. If you look back up in verse 36, we see a similar response as Thomas's, as the people that understood the message for the first time. Then Peter said, um, that the, the news of the gospel, this news of Jesus that he was talking about should make Christ not only our savior, but it should make him our Lord. These guys, and remember Pentecost was a Jewish gathering and a Jewish festival, right? So they would, they would have some understanding of, of, of Old Testament and, and the prophets and the law and all of the things that we know as the Old Testament. They would have some background and some knowledge in that. So they would know that the Old Testament and the Messiah was written about Christ. And so the fact that these first believers, the apostles, were there and they saw Jesus and they touched Jesus, this validated that what they were saying was true. And fortunately for us, y'all, we like they they wrote it down, you know. Once the church started to grow and it started to spread out, they started to write down the apostles' teaching, and that's what we have as the New Testament. That's why we cling so hard to the Bible. Um, before we do that, think about it. Think about it like this: If you think about our our court system now, we really we place a lot of value in eyewitness testimony in a court system to to tell if somebody's guilty or not, if to tell if somebody committed the crime or not, right? Um, and so I get the the common criticism for this for this argument from a from a Christian or from a biblical standpoint, is like, well, the apostles said could have been lying, you know. Uh, well, and I, I don't know. I guess that could. I guess that argument could hold some weight. Um, but I don't know about you guys. But if somebody, if 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 somebody wants to, um, I'm sorry. Hang on. But the the apostles were they were willing to die for this. So the, they were eyewitnesses. They were willing to die so that the message of Jesus could go forward. And I don't know about y'all. Um, but I'm not willing to die and I'm not willing to suffer for the sake of something that I don't think is true. Um, I'm not willing to die over a lie. So if, if, you know, if Dustin or Liam or whoever, like if they come to me and it's like, man, if, uh, you know, cops ask you any questions, they say where, you know, if they ask you where I was last night, just, you know, tell me, tell me, tell them I was with you, you know, be, be my alibi. Um, now, even if that was in my character to lie for them, which hopefully they know it's not. They better know not to come at me with some of that. But do you, think, do you think I would be willing to die and I would be willing to suffer a painful martyr's death like we saw with all of the apostles just because Dustin or Liam or whoever wants me to cover for them? I don't think so, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to go to that length like the apostles were. And so we should take that to believe. The fact that they were willing to go and lay their life down and die, we can validate and we can take this message home that it's, that it's true. Um, and the, the, the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, it was important enough for this group to become martyrs. Um, and even though in our culture we may not be called to that or we may not be called to that yet, um, 
we can, we can still live our lives and we can still live in surrender to Christ because we can trust that the message is true. So the early church, they used, they used these teachings. So the apostles, they were still at this time, where we're, where we're reading about today, the apostles were still living and they were still teaching themselves, um, right? And so that's at this point, that's when they began to write it down. That's when they began to circulate it. Um, and so th- these teachings that they were written down kind of from Pentecost on are what we, what we know as the New Testament what we hold to is scripture. And that's why one of the four, really one of the four fundamental priorities that we have as a church is that we want to be Bible rooted. Um, throughout this, there'll be a couple of points where we come up to where uh, I think on the screen, you should be able to see kind of some priorities that we have as a church. And the first one is that we want to be Bible rooted. That means that the scriptures, the teachings of the apostles that were the guide for the early church, we want them to be our guide also. Um, just one more quick analogy that I think is helpful is has, does anybody know how to use a compass? I know it's it's kind of it's kind of obsolete now with with Siri and iPhones or whatever. But when I was in elementary school, there was a, a a kid that I went to school with. His dad was in the National Guard or Army or something like that. And every year he would come and he would teach us this orienti- orienteering course on how to use a compass. Um, and it, if anybody's used a compass, what's the what's the most important aspect that you have to have when using a compass? You have, to ha- you have to find due north, right? Do- you have to have an objective starting point, and it has to be right, right? Because when you're using a compass, if you don't have due north, everything else is completely worthless. Like, you can't figure out where you're going if you don't have due north. Um, and so for us, God's word, the teachings that the apostles taught there, what they wrote down as the New Testament, um, that's what we want to use as our due north. The due, the, um, due north and that starting point um, using, using, being Bible rooted and using scripture as our guide, um, it's because due north is not only where you start, right? Due north is your reference point at every point along the way when you're using a compass. And so <clears throat> not only is that our starting point as a church, we want the, we want scripture to be, uh, we want scripture to be our sustenance. We want it to be our nourishment. We want it to be our reference point at every point along the way as we grow and as we move forward as a church. So the second thing we see Verse 42, the second thing we see that they, were, uh, that they were devoted to, they were devoted to fellowship. Um, a couple verses down, we see that these, the believers, the early church, they met daily in the temple courts. They shared meals together. They had glad and sincere hearts. Basically, y'all, these, these people, they did life together. They did everyday life. They, they locked arms. They, <clears throat> they were a part of each other's lives on a much deeper, deeper level than just showing up to the same place once a week. For some reason, in our, you know, in our culture today, there's like this trend where it's almost becoming normal or common or celebrated to be, to be alone or to be isolated. I think of like social media stuff that you see. It's like, oh, I got to deal with people today. You know, like I don't know why that's becoming, that's becoming a normal thing. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just generational. Maybe it's just young people that, that just don't like being around people. Um, but I know for me, like I, I genuinely enjoy having a, a, a strong a uh, community of people, a strong support system around me, people that I can do life with, um, that I can count on to, to encourage me, that I can count on to have my back, that I can count on to tell me when I'm stepping out of line. Um, I, know, knowing also that they're pursuing the same things that I am, knowing that the big picture is aligned, the vision is aligned, and we're all trying to pursue a godly life. I, I find a lot of comfort in having that um, in the midst of just a, you know, a crazy life, a busy life, 
in a lost in a, in a broken world, I find a lot of comfort in having people alongside me that are doing the same things. And all of these guys, all of these things that we gain from community, all of these are benefits um, that we get to take through life on a, on a daily level, on a weekly level, on a really long-term, uh, consistent level. Because that's where I really feel like, that's where I really feel like life change can happen. Um, we're not going to show up one time to church and all of a sudden, all of our problems are going to be solved, right? Um, we have this instant, we have this short-sighted culture to where we want to go to church instantly and all of a sudden fix our problems, have one huge moment of, you know, of emotion and get chill bumps or whatever. And I don't know, maybe the air condition was on too high that day, but we want to go and, and like fix all of our problems in, in, in one time and then be done and go on about our life and do about our business. But y'all, that's, that's not how it works. That's not what we see from scripture. Um, the, the analogy that I use is, is, is it's a lot like going to the gym. Um, you don't go to the gym one time and get a six pack. You don't even go to the gym once a month and, and see any growth or see any change. It's something that you have to do daily. It's something that you have to do consistently and you have to make a fundamental life change to, to really see any growth or see any difference. So when you go to the gym and it's the same thing for when you're seeking you know, biblical community. It's not going to be this thing that's going to happen overnight. But if you stay consistent and you commit to just grinding and, and, and going through this, this lifestyle of, of, of locking arms with other people that are, that are, um, that are, you know, just lock, that are with you, that support you, that have your back and all of these types of things. If you look up, you know, six months or a year down the road, all of a sudden you're going to see, man, I'm a different person than I was six months or a year ago. It's not going to be instant, but it's also going to be more sustainable. It's going to be long-term, and we believe that it'll be a lot healthier, um, healthier in the end. The way that we facilitate this as a church, y'all, and I know we talk about them probably pretty much every week, but we facilitate this through connect groups. <clears throat> we, we meet in homes. We share meals just like we see here. You know, um, we didn't... We didn't come up with connect groups from like the latest cutting edge, you know, church guru coming up with the new craziest ideas, y'all. The connect groups are literally based from this passage right here. We meet in homes, we eat together, and we study God's word together. It's, it's really that basic, and it's really that simple. And that's really because we want these to have just a, a real genuine atmosphere because we believe that ministry really is, is catalyzed in community. I, really, like, I love that word catalyzed because when, when people have that community around them, they're going to be stronger, they're going to be healthier, and they're going to be more equipped to go out and take the gospel to the world. Uh, when, when, if we can provide that community, that genuine atmosphere for people to go through life with. Um, because the reality is, y'all, is, as a, from a church's standpoint, we can really only minister to people so well if we only see them once a week, right? If we see them in passion and say, hey, how's your week? It's good. And then you keep on. I mean, we, we really can't do much for you from, from a church's perspective, if you think about it like that. And so that's why we really want people to get plugged into groups. We want people to, to have people to go through life with. Um, we will be more effective in ministering as a church to the people that are here, and we will also be more equipped as believers um, and as small groups of believers in ministering to the outside world if we have that close-knit community where we can come to every week or even every day in some aspects uh, to build each other up to continue moving and continue pushing forward. Um, the example that I like to use here in, in terms of, you know, being, we, we talk about being attractive. We don't want to be attractive in the sense that we just get people here, right? We want to be attractive in the sense that they want to almost adopt a, a community lifestyle. We want it to be deeper than just showing up. And so the, the way that I like to think of it is like a, a fly swatter versus a bug zapper. Did anybody's grandma have a bug zapper on their back porch? Um, 
I can remember, you know, you, you hear it's like, you hear the little buzzes going off and it's like, man, sad day for that fly. But, uh, but anyway, so with a, but with a fly swatter, you're on your own. You have to individually, you got to go out, you got to find the flies, you got to swat them. And maybe you miss cause you're not Mr. Miyagi or whatever, but with a bug zapper, what do you do? Like you just plug it in and it does the work. The, the light from the bug zapper attracts the flies from around so that they come in. And so that's what we want. We want to create community for you, um, both on an individual level with our connect groups and, and really as a church too, on a, on a, on a larger level, we want to create a bug zapper atmosphere where people see the light that's coming from the people that are a part of this church, and then and they, they're naturally drawn to it, and they want to come in. Now, the difference is when they get here, we're not going to zap them, right? We're going to love them. We're going to, we're going to minister to them. Um, I tried to come up with a better analogy that didn't end up in death, but that was the best I had, so uh, good luck. Um, but anyway, so if, and if you don't have, y'all, if you don't have that Christian community that we talk about and that I'm talking about today, y'all, I, I, I challenge you to take that next step. Um, that's, why, that's why we push it is because we want it so bad because we've experienced it and we know the difference it can have in your life. And so if, you're, if you don't have that, if you want that and you need that, I challenge you today to take that step. Go to the green tent or just talk to somebody that you know is in a connect group. Um, and, and try to seek that out because God has so much more for you than you're getting if you're trying to do life on your own. Um, the next thing, looking back at, the, back at the scripture, verse 42, the next thing that we see is they were committed to or they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And now the distinction here, we talked about sharing meals together in their homes, right? The distinction here, this is different. This isn't breaking bread like, like just eating a meal, like this isn't eating pizza after college. This is communion. Right. This is they were devoted to taking communion. Um, and the reason they were devoted to taking communion is because they were devoted to the gospel. Right. We, we did communion a couple of weeks ago. Communion is probably something we'll do about once a month, give or take, because we really want that to be a, a big part of, of what we do um, as a church. As the way that we the way that we word this is we want to be a gospel centered church. And the way that we do that is by is by being committed to taking communion together on a regular basis because communion is a reminder of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And we want to dwell on that. Um, we want to ponder that. We want to, we want to reflect on that and what that should mean for our lives. And we want to do that consistently. Um, and so we, t- for us to be a gospel centered church, we want to, we want to prioritize communion and we want to prioritize the gospel and, and orient everything that we do from an outpouring of the gospel. Um, and, I'm just going to take just a second and do a, a, a small little uh, plug here. But if you haven't checked out the resources uh, part of our website, we post articles from time to time. And the very first article we wrote uh, as a church was that we want to be a gospel-centered church. And what does it mean to be a gospel-centered church? And we kind of fleshed that out uh, a little bit more in depth than I have time to go through here. Um, and so, and, and on that, but on the website, we have, we have articles like that from time to time that are really just, you know, they're applicable or things that we really feel are important as a church. You also can go back and listen to sermons. Uh, if you missed, if you were serving in kids or whatever, you can go back and listen to the sermons there. And so, um, sorry, I'll get back to what we're doing. Uh, but I just, I thought that was a, a cool reminder for y'all. If you didn't know about that option that we have on the website. And so, Again, as a church, we want to be centered around the gospel. The word gospel, it's one of those, I mean, I've probably said it 10 times just standing here now. We say it in church all the time. It's, a, it's one of those church words that it can almost lose its meaning because it gets used so much and it gets used so often, or at least we think it should. Um, but the gospel sets the standard in everything that we do, both as individual believers and both at, uh, from, the, from the church as a whole. Um, 
the, the, way that I, the way that I kind of explain that practically is that, you know, we don't, we don't love others because we wake up every day wanting to love others. We love others because Christ loved us first, right? Like Dustin said it a minute ago, we want, we want, we want to be generous, not because we wake up every day and we just want to give all we have away. Like that's not a natural thing. But when we, when we compare that to the gospel and what Christ did for us, he was generous with us first, so it should produce us to be generous. That's what we mean by the gospel setting the standard in everything that we do. And as a church, we view things through that, through that same lens. And so making a commitment to taking communion together is something that we want to do um, as a church to regularly remind us of the gospel and ponder and reflect on the gospel regularly and consistently um, throughout church life. The last thing in verse 42, and I'll try to be quicker on this one, is, is they were devoted to prayer. Um, the, uh, you, I mean, you can, you can preach entire series, entire sermons on prayer if you want to, so I'm going to try to move, move fairly quick, not because it's not important, because um, if, if you look at, you know, and again, if you look at our priorities, we want to be, be a spirit-led church. And I feel like prayer is the way that we do that. Prayer is the way that we allow that to happen. If we want the Holy Spirit to lead us, it's got to start from a place of, of submission, uh, of, of humble submission to Christ. And we do that. We do that through prayer. Um, if, we, if we humble ourselves and we come to God daily, uh, it, whether, it's, whether it's crying out for something that we're going through, if we're going through something, um, or whether it's asking God for wisdom for a certain situation, um, or praying for another brother or sister in Christ, whatever that is, um, we feel like God can really use just that, that, that humble submission to him in prayer. And we see the early church was devoted to prayer. Everything we do, we want to be through the lens of prayer. We want to start with prayer and we want to end with prayer um, because that's how, God, that's how God can work through us. So let's move on to the second point. The second point is, and I know we, I spent a lot of time on the first one, y'all, but so much of what we want to do comes from that one verse, right? Um, there's so many things that we can take that we can emulate. And so I really wanted to try to do that verse justice as best I could before we move on. So now let's look, <clears throat> look at verse 44. It said the believers were together and they had everything in common. And so think back for a few weeks ago when, when Liam was preaching and he, he said all these crazy names and pronounced them with absolute poetic perfection, right? Uh, all, of, all of these people that he talked about were from basically the whole world at that point, right? People come together from Pentecost from all over what the world was at that point. So you can imagine um, how different this gathering of people would have looked, right? They would have been diverse in skin color. They would have been diverse in traditions, customs, language, Etc. Anything you can imagine, this would have been a very different and diverse group of people. But the thing that united these people, the thing that when they started coming together and they started forming believers, the message of the cross united these people from, from all across the world at that point, all kind of different backgrounds. Um, and I, you know, I'm not really good at, at, at avoiding maybe tough issues, so we're just going to kind of we're going to kind of get into it. This this topic of diversity particularly right now, but, but just in our culture in general, y'all, it, it, it can be a hot-button issue, right? Diversity can be, it can be hard. Um, and it's a lot more than just black and white. The world wants us to see everything as, 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 as black and white right now. But diversity is a lot bigger of a topic, and it's a lot bigger of a discussion than that. And as a church, I think we should take the lead in, 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 in having these conversations, talking about these things, moving forward, uh, being accepting of people that are different and all of these type of things. But, but 
but I, but I struggle with even if you just look at the city of Athens, just take a step back for a minute and, and, and stay with me here. Look at the city of Athens, for example, right here where we're at doesn't get any more current or more real than this. Just within the perimeter or within probably maybe a 20 or 30 minute radius, we've got churches, um, as, as many different kinds and as many different divisions of churches that you could, that you could imagine, right? There's, there, there's black churches, there's white churches, whether, whether, they'll, you know, whether they'll admit it or not. There's, there's Korean churches, Asian churches, Middle Eastern churches, Hispanic churches. Further than that, even within those divisions, you've got every denomination, every sub-denomination, multiple denominations of the same church, all divided, right? All divided on outside factors that, that really don't have anything to do with why we're here at the end of the day. And y'all, I'm, I'm for churches. Churches are good. If churches weren't good, we wouldn't be here. But I just, I, when, I, when I look at the church now in our context, I don't necessarily see what's being talked about here. I don't see all the time people from different backgrounds coming together united around the cross. And so, you know, when I read about the diverse church in Scripture, when I read about people from all over the world coming together into chapter 2, I see foreshadowing of Revelation 5, right? I see the, uh, John writes in Revelation 5, and with your blood talking about Christ. With your blood, you purchase God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And so when I look at this church, I see people who took the cross seriously. I see people that put aside their, their differences. I see people that put aside their preferences and coming together for a sake of a cause that was bigger than them. Um, a cause that was bigger than just their own flesh and blood, just their own skin color, just their own preferences. It was bigger than that. They were united around the flesh and blood of Jesus, right? Not their own. And so, and, and Jesus, he, he paid for them with his blood, and they were willing to give up whatever traditions and whatever comforts they had for the sake of being united around the cross. Um, the, way, the way that I think of it, one of the great analogies that I, that I see, I think, in our culture that really as a church we could emulate is, if, have, you ever seen, have you ever seen an old veteran, right? And I'm talk, you know the old veteran that I'm talking about, the guy He's got the hat sitting way up on top of his head. It says where he served, how he served, or maybe, it, maybe it's a bumper sticker or whatever. But when you see two veterans kind of run into each other, um, those veterans, they don't care about what color the other one is. They don't care about what background they come from. They don't care where they're from. They don't care about any of that. All they see is what they have in common, and they instantly, you know, they instantly have this special bond that they served together for a mission, whether they came, whether they crossed paths or not. They have this bond where they serve for a mission that was greater than them. They put aside their differences. They put aside their preferences. Um, and that's just, that's just for one country in the whole world, y'all. Like if we, as a church, if, if veterans can have that deep of a bond over serving in the military, how much deeper should our bond be because of, because of the gospel and because of the Christ and because of, of the cross and what he did for us on the cross. We can put aside all that other stuff, y'all. Um, and look, I don't, I don't say that to say like, that we need to just go out and have, you know, have diversity just for the sake of diversity. I think we can swing the pendulum too far, but I do think that we need, to, we need to put aside differences. We need to put aside preferences. We need to be more accepting of people that may look different than us, that may act different than us. Um, put all those things aside for the sake of the gospel because we want our church, we want Connection Church Athens to be a reflection of the church in Scripture, right? And the church in Scripture was diverse. Um, sorry, I got a little carried away there and got ahead of myself. So, um, 
the early church, they were united around the gospel. The gospel was the priority, um, and they were diverse. Moving on. Um, <clears throat> the, next, the next point here is that they were generous. The early church, the first church, they were a generous group of people. Look back at verses 45, 45 and 46. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, so ba- look, they shared everything, y'all. That, that, everything that was theirs was ours. They shared food. They shared money. They shared possessions, resources, everything they had, they shared. But I, but I do, I want to unpack this idea a little bit because I think there's, sometimes there's churches or sometimes there, you know, there, there's people that almost take this a little bit too far. And so I, I think there's a spiritual component that we can take from this other than just kind of pushing everything into a big pot. Um, that there's just, I just feel like there's a little bit more to it. So stay with me. Um, stay with me for just a second. But, but basically the, the gospel, y'all, the gospel should cause us to be generous. Um, we talked a minute ago, like Christ gave us everything we have. Christ gave us everything we need with knowing that we couldn't provide anything in return, knowing that we didn't deserve anything, um, for that. And so when we put the gospel in focus, it, it, it puts our, it puts our physical needs and it puts our material needs in light of, of the deepest spiritual need that we have, right? This is not just meant to be this like kumbaya moment. This is meant to be a reflection that Christ has given us everything that we need. So we're going we're gonna to come together and we're going to make sure that everybody in our, in our fellowship has what they need. Um, and so y'all, when it, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to physical things, um, here, here in our context on earth, whether it's, you know, it's, it's more than just money, whether it's money or things or, or, or resources or whatever. Um, when it comes to those things, we need to view those things through the same lens of the gospel um, as the believers did here. Um, and so, and, and once you once you are saved, y'all, once the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, He will give you that desire. Uh, and I think a next step here is, that, you know, there's a lot of times where, a lot of times, you know, we just we hold real tight. Our, our culture and our world tells us to hold real tight to our stuff. You know, uh, take care of you, take care of your own. Um, and there's there's wisdom in that to a certain extent, but as believers, we should all be open and willing. We should all structure our lives in a way that when we have an opportunity to be generous, we should be able to take it without wondering if we're going to be able to make this payment or that payment or whatever. Um, we should be able to take that. Uh, we should be able to take that seriously. And I know, you know, kind of in our, uh, uh, maybe our, maybe it's our blue collar culture. Maybe it's our work hard. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I don't believe in working hard. I believe in working hard, you know, um, there's there's a generational impact of like my parents worked hard my wife parents worked hard like there there's value in taking care of your family like there there's wisdom in that so but I am trying to make this distinction that believers in the early church they also took care of each other um, and by by God's grace He's given us everything we had and so even if you've worked hard for something like I said a minute ago like there's value in, in taking care of your own to an extent. But even if you've worked hard for something, it's like I, the, the attitude and the response I get sometimes is like, oh, well, well, you know, well, I worked hard for that. Like, I earned that. I deserve that. Um, and, and we do work hard. We work hard in our culture. Uh, we're a productive people. But at the end of the day, God is the one that even gave us the ability to, to be able to work, to be able to provide for ourselves, to be able to provide for our families. And so, um, you know, hopefully I didn't get too, too far off on a tangent in that, but like work hard, yes, but understand that like God gave us that ability. God blessed us with all of it, um, and without Him, we would be completely hopeless and we would be completely um, powerless. So what we see, the early church, 
they weren't tied down with material things like we are in our culture. They didn't have debt up to their eyeballs. They didn't have, you know, all of these crazy things. They lived their lives in a way, they built margin into their lives where they could provide for each other, they could support each other when somebody had a need. Um, and they were, they were ultimately a generous people because of the gospel. And so the last point, y'all, point number four, um, we said that you know, this, this culture of generosity, this culture of community, everything that they had made them attractive to the outside world. They had created this, this bug zapper uh, mentality, right, where they had this light. Other people saw it and were drawn to it. So look at verse 47 really the end of verse 47, and it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So because of what they were doing, people were coming, people were adding, people were joining um, to their fellowship. At the end of the day, if a, if whether it's an individual person, whether it's a church, and whether it's a, whether it's a business, an organization, any kind of, any kind of group of people, organization, whatever, you can, you can get distracted by a lot of, a lot of other things, um, there, there's, you know, there's growth gurus and growth experts that look at all these crazy different kind of metrics and, and they look at growth. But at the end of the day, y'all, if a church, if a church or a group or anything, if it's not growing, it's probably not healthy. That's a really basic way to look at, uh, at, at health and at growth. And so as a church, we, you know, we talk about growth, but I think you can, you know, you can even take it a little bit deeper. We don't want to grow to the extent that we just pile a thousand people in here, you know, like that's great. I hope a thousand people come, but if we can't provide them with community, if we can't get them to understand that, that, that the Bible is central, like if we can't minister to them in an effective way, then we're not growing in a healthy way. We can grow too fast to where you lose, you lose substance and you lose depth. Um, the other ways you cannot grow at all. You can become, you know, you can become stagnant. Uh, you can be still, and that's, that's not a healthy place to be either. People get, people get bored. Um, growth creates energy, and if you don't have any growth, then a lot of times you lose just that energy. Um, obviously, worst case scenario, you could do the opposite of grow. You could shrink. You could lose people. You could have people more people going out the back than coming in the front, so to speak, right? Um, and that's not where you want to be, obviously. I don't think I have to dive um, too far into that. So instead of just focusing on numbers, my point is this. Instead of just focusing on numbers of how many people are here, what we want to focus on is just staying faithful to God's Word. Um, we want to stay true to his instructions that he's given us in scripture. Uh, and we believe that people will genuinely be attracted and we will grow in a healthy way and in a substantial way. If we just hold true to these principles that he's given us in scripture and people will be attracted and will come by us living in community, living missionally, right? Not just viewing ourselves as our own, but being generous, looking outward. Um, people will see us grow. And the other thing is attractive is something that's growing, right? Just from a very basic level. If I see that something is growing, it's like, man, why are they growing? Like, I want to check that out. There's this basic, just attractional thing to something that is growing in a healthy way that has energy moving and pushing forward. Um, and I think if we, if we can achieve that as a church, then I think, you know, success as a word is, is, is really hard to define when you're talking about spiritual things. Um, but for us, if we, can, if we can stay true to the priorities that we've talked about uh, today, I think we can grow and we can really define success in a, in a true and a biblical way by growing healthfully. Um, I think God is wired, and honestly, there's, there's a spiritual component too. God has wired us that way. Like he, He's wired us to be attracted to true, genuine, biblical community. Um, and so y'all, when we live relationship-driven lives and we remember the mission that God gave us to the church 
um, back in Acts 1-8. We'll probably reference that almost every week. When we, when we remember the mission that he gave us, we can be a direct reflection of the gospel right here in our local community, and we can have a lasting impact on our community that shows the power that the gospel can have in God's people. And so that's, and really that's our, that's our final priority as a church. I think it'll be up here. Um, we want to be a mission-driven church. Um, we want God's mission, which is, we want, God's mission is it's laid out clear. He wants to see people saved uh, from here, from Athens, all the way to the end of the earth. And we want God's mission to be our mission. We want to be a mission-driven church. We want to be mission-oriented. Um, and if we hold tightly to what he tells us to do in his word, if we remain faithful to these, these very simple, very direct uh, commands and, and ideas, then he can work through all of us together to achieve his mission. And that's, that's an encouraging and that's an empowering place to be, y'all. I, I, I don't know about y'all, but when I know God is working through me to do something that's bigger than me, I, I want more of it. It's, it's, it's kind of this addicting thing. Knowing that God is working through you gives you power and gives you energy to just to keep pushing forward. And so that's what we want for all of the individuals here as a church, and that, but that's what also we want um, you know, collectively as a church um, moving forward. So I'm about to, I'm going to close in a prayer in just a minute. That's, that's kind of the passage. That's the four points that we talked about. Um, but, but before I pray, I do, I just kind of want to leave you with, with a little bit of a challenge. You know, if we, if we're a part of the, they, we talked about, you know, they, and the distinction that that makes, if we are a part of the, they, if we are, if we are believers in Christ, we have, we've surrendered and we've committed ourselves um, to a life in Christ, um, and that we are a part of his church, I, feel, I still think there's next steps that we can take, right? There's areas that we can grow. There's areas that we can move forward in. Some of us need to be, some of us need to be more devoted to God's word. Um, so what's your, what's your next step in that? Maybe it's, maybe it's waking up a little bit earlier. Maybe it's staying up a little bit later. Maybe it's sacrificing something during the day. I don't, I don't know what that is. This is where you know, we've got to be really honest with ourselves. But I think if, if we're honest, I think we all can, can grow in, in intake, daily consistent intake of God's word, diving deeper into God's word, whatever that looks like. Uh, some of us need to grow to be more generous. Um, our culture, y'all, it tells us to be tied down. It tells us to be tight-handed. Um, but guys, we want, we want to be more tied to, to Christ. We want to be more tied to Jesus than we are tied to our stuff. And the, and the, and the priorities, y'all, that we, we, get them, we get them mixed up and we get them out of line. We want Christ to be the priority, and we want our money, and we want our things to slide down the list. Um, so what would it look like for you to grow in generosity? What's, what's a step that you might could take uh, to be more generous? To, uh, to The way that I really like it described is to put its money in its place. If you let money own you, it can own you. But if you put money in its place, it can be a real tool um, to, to, to minister to people, to help people, to see God's mission go forward. Some of us could get our eyes off of ourselves. Some of us could become more missional. Uh, you know, some of us are really good at coming to church and doing church and serving church, but when's the last time we had a conversation with somebody who wasn't a believer, right? Um, I think there's areas where we can grow in that. We want outsiders to be attracted to us. And if we're constantly turned inward and all we're focusing on is us and what we have going on, if we miss the missional component, then, then, then we lose that, that mission driven aspect of our church. I think some of us could, some of us could grow in the area of looking outward and having conversations with people that look different and act different than us, right? Invite them into church, invite them into connect group, having spiritual conversation, whatever that looks like for you. Um, I think that's the next step that you could take 
The other next step, guys, and this is one we, we talked about a lot last week. If you, if you don't know really where you stand in terms of uh, either your relationship with Christ or either in terms of, of where you are with, with a church, where you are with our church, um, guys, we, we want those next steps to take place now. Um, if you don't know if you're a part of the they and you want to have a conversation about, about what does that look like, where do I go, what do I do, um, we'll, we'll have somebody at the green tent. You can talk to me, Dustin, uh, Lee, I mean, anybody, um, anybody that you want, guys. We want people to take that next step. Um, again, we, we've had several people over the past week that have shown interest in baptism, and we, we want to celebrate those big, right? That's, at the end of the day, that's kind of the reason, that's the purpose that drives everything that we're doing as a church. We want to see people get baptized, and we get the privilege to do that in a couple of weeks. And so the reason we didn't say a number of the people that are, that are going to be baptized on the 7th is I don't want to put a cap on it, y'all. I think there's more people that between now and then could want to get baptized. I don't care. We'll stay here all day. We'll baptize however many it takes, you know, as long as it's genuine. So if that's the next step that you need to take, if you need to say, you know, Lord, I need to surrender my life to you. Um, I want to take that next step of baptism. Then, then talk to us about it. There's, there's the green tent or any of us, but don't leave, y'all. Don't leave without, without addressing that, um, without addressing that decision in your life. And so... The other thing, y'all, we can, we can sign you up for a connect group. Dustin mentioned heart and soul. We want to provide you with, with, with whatever you need to, to move forward and to take a next step in your life. You can do that at the green tent on your way out. And so I'm going to pray, y'all. Uh, I'm going to close, and then we will be, uh, we will be done for the day. <clears throat> God, we, uh, God, we love you. Um, God, we're just we're so thankful for... God, we're thankful for the cross, first and foremost. We're thankful for what that means. We're thankful for the reconciliation that you offered us that we get to take freely, Lord. Uh, But God, I pray today, God, I pray that we wouldn't just leave it at that, that we wouldn't just leave it as a fact. God, I pray that we would, I pray that we would revolve our life around it. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would, we would, we would, we would put everything into perspective around the gospel, God, and that everything else would flow, would flow out of what the gospel's done in our life, Lord. God, I pray for people in here today, God, regardless of where they are, whether they've been following Christ their whole life or whether they're brand new or whether they don't know where they stand, God, I pray that you would give people the boldness um, to take a next step for you, to put themselves out there, to walk forward in faith, Lord. God, I pray um, just genuinely that people would take next steps um, and, God, that you would just move uh, in the hearts and lives of the people of Connection Church. God, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part uh, of what you're doing here. Um, and God, we just pray that you would continue to move and continue to work, continue to grow, um, Lord, um, not just people, but God, continue to just grow in, in depth and grow in substance and grow in meaning, God. Um, we want this to be a place that's just genuine, uh, genuinely based on Scripture, Lord. We want community to be genuine. We want worship to be genuine. Um, and we just want to honor you in all that we do. God, be with us as we go. Help us to live mission-driven lives, God. Help us to seek out people that, that need the message of, of Jesus, Lord. Um, and help us to, to be bold in, in having those conversations and inviting them to group and inviting them to church and all of those things that it takes, God, that take energy, God. It takes sacrifice. But you sacrificed more for us than we could ever repay. And I just pray that we would view everything through that lens. God, we love you. God, we praise you. And we just thank you for all that you've done. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Y'all take off. Stop by the green tent if you've got anything. Um, Y'all have a great week.